Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Are you okay? I am. I've done something a bit silly. You may have seen some photos, I don't know. Um, But I have had a tattoo. Now, I have talked to myself about having a tattoo for a long time, years and years and years. Um, I've had temporary tattoos. I've had sort of medium term temporary tattoos. (laughs) I don't know what that is. It just means they stay on your arm for a lot longer, which is good if you love the design and not so good if you don't. But anyway, um, and I'd really been working myself up to it. And then when the pandemic started, I just thought if I make it out alive from the other side of this, I'm getting a tattoo done. Um, And it ended up with my father saying, you mustn't get a tattoo. And me actually stomped my foot and said, I'm nearly 50. I want a tattoo. So I just thought that was a little bit hilarious, a little bit silly. So I went off to get a tattoo. And if someone says to you, oh, you don't really feel it, doesn't really hurt. They are lying. Imagine having a knife put in your flesh which is then dragged about from one side to the other for two hours. Yes, that's that's what I was going through. Someone said to me before, just take a paracetamol before it'll really help. And I thought, well, that sounds interesting. But oh, I don't need that. Oh, I wish I had because my goodness. Yes, uh, quite significant pain, I thought. And then when she said, um, it was a lovely girl that did it, really lovely. Uh, and, and it looks great, I think. But anyway, uh, when she said, right, um, I'm going on to the shading now, which is a different sensation. That's code for you thought that hurt before. It's going to hurt even more now. So there we go. It's done. Very pleased with it. Didn't know you had to have this whole routine afterwards for four weeks. Can't go swimming. Well, that's fine by me. Um, can't engage in contact sports. Again, fine by me. Can't sit in the sun. Not so fine. Um, what else? Can't use lots of products on it. All sorts of things. You have to yes, be very careful. You have to nurture the tattoo uh, while it goes through its settling in phase. So there we go. Anyway, there's enough of me waffling on. We've got some brilliant books to talk to you about. And you're all reading great books as well. So let me tell you what books we're covering. 
first of all. So we've got Shiver by Ali Reynolds. And we're going to be talking to Ali as well, which is great. Blood and Sugar by Laura Shepherd Robinson. Queen Lucia and Miss Map by E.F. Benson. The Good Neighbours by Nina Allen. And One Last Time by Helga Flatland. Uh, now, as I say, those are some great books to talk about, but there are other great books that you're all reading. So at the moment, Rach is reading My Little Girl by Shalini Boland. Zoe is reading Love in Five Acts by Daniela uh, Crean and Night Hawking by Russ Thomas. Great, because that's, that's one we've had Russ on the podcast before. Sue's reading Tidelands by Philippa Gregory. Uh, Lauren's reading The Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. And reading Greenwich Park by Catherine Faulkner. I hadn't heard of that one, but it looks quite interesting. Uh, Sue's reading The Sun Sister by uh, Lucinda Riley. Laura's reading Shuggy Bane by Douglas Stewart. Leslie's reading Two Wrongs by Mel McGrath. Again, we've had Mel on. Kate's reading Still Life by Val McDermott. Johan's reading One by One by Ruth Ware. Reviewed that a, a few weeks ago. I'd be interested to see if Johan's one of the ones who loves it or one of the ones who didn't enjoy it as much. I certainly enjoyed it. Um, Deb has just finished The Corset by Laura Purcell and is starting Sleep by C.L. Taylor. Janine is reading One in Three by Tess Stimson. Uh, Vicky's just finished The Gambling Man by David Baldacci. Julie's reading Dangerous Women by Hope Adams, which was uh, the book in her My Chronicle book box. And Heidi is reading The Party by Lisa Hall. A great selection of books, I think. A really great selection. So let's get started on Shiver. Now, I first came across this book with a reading party event. I've talked about them before. If you're just interested, go to the reading party website. Um, and I just thought this one was so intriguing. I was really keen to read it. This is the blurb. The truth is, I'm terrified of it. Terrified of who it makes me become and what other lives I might destroy. The moment I fasten into my bindings, nothing else matters. When Miller is invited to a reunion in the French Alps resort that saw the peak of her snowboarding career, she drops everything to go. While she would rather forget the events of that winter, the invitation comes from Curtis, the one person she can't seem to let go. The five friends haven't seen each other for ten years since the disappearance of the beautiful and enigmatic Saskia. But when an icebreaker game turns menacing, they realise they don't know who has really gathered them there and how far they will go to find the truth. In a deserted lodge high up a mountain, the secrets of the past are about to come to light. So there we go. Oh, should we go back to first sentences? Because I'd forgotten about the first sentences last time. I keep forgetting them. And then you, I get messages from you saying, oh, we love we love the first sentences. Please do that. So first sentence is this. It's that time of year again. Oh, actually, I want to read you the second sentence. I'm going to break the code and read two sentences. OK, here we go. It's that time of year again. The time the glacier gives up bodies. I think that tells you a bit more than the very first sentence. Um, and on the cover, it says they don't know what I did and I intend to keep it that way. Um, I really enjoyed it. And part of me thought, oh, gosh, another book set in the mountains. In snow. Sorry, I must put that book down. because It's making such a noise. Um, Yes, it was sort of set in the mountains. It's a bit like the Ruth Ware one by one and the sanatorium uh, by Sarah Pierce. It, 
is it just another Me Too book similar to, to everything else? And it's not, I would say. Um, I enjoyed it very much because, yes, there are some similarities in terms of location with snow um, and this sort of locked room. It's not a locked room, but it's that sort of atmosphere. But there's a lot more to it than that. And what's interesting is you keep being this in current time with this reunion. Uh, and as I'm saying the word reunion, I've got speech marks because normally a reunion is a happy event. And this one doesn't seem quite uh, quite such a, an enjoyable experience. But um, so you've got that and then you go back 10 years and then you come back to the f to the current time and then you go back 10 years. And so you know that you are, are being fed pieces of information all along which means that you're thinking oh gosh it's this person oh no it's that person do you know it keeps changing and that keeps you sort of connected to the story and wanting to know what happens who done it that's what it is at its essence um what happened why and and who and um it's not horror at all but I would say a bit like the sanatorium you you are sort of you know a bit perturbed at times and it's not because of the horrific things that the book describes. It's more the individual, some of the individuals are not very nice. And you're thinking, oh, gosh, that's that's not a nice thing to do. So it's that. And it just sort of unnerves you and creeps along, getting you more and more immersed in the story. And the fact that the author has written this and now lives in Australia, I just think is is amazing that she can just sort of port herself back to snow and to her, her pastimes as snowboarding and just draw on that experience and just go to that land and, and create it for us. So there we go. Enough about me. I enjoyed it. Let's talk to Ali now. So Ali, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here all the way from Australia. <laughs> I know, it's amazing. I, 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 as I said earlier, it's just um, great because first came across you on a reading party event and, and love the book and it's just really good to to have you to talk to and obviously I'm going to start with the most boring unoriginal question you're ever going to be asked but I have to ask you what what gave you the idea for this book so um part of a few things really um partly it was Agatha Christie's amazing novel and then there were none which is probably my favorite novel it's just a masterpiece of plotting um and I thought I would like to take that concept of people being invited um, to a remote location um, under false pretenses and then stranded there with a killer in the midst. I thought I would take that concept and take it to a totally different setting. Another thing that inspired me very much were the mountains themselves and the glaciers. Um, around the time when I started writing it, I read a news article um, about two hikers who'd been walking in Austria in the high mountains and they'd seen a hand and two shoes protruding from the ice <gasps> and they called in the mountain rescue teams who uncovered the body of a man who'd gone missing 30 years earlier and wow. it, it's very very common apparently that that does happen in the mountains that people uh, die in an avalanche or a crevasse 
and the bodies aren't found till a long time later when the ice melts mm. and it struck me that if someone disappears in such an environment we don't know if their death it was an accident or something more sinister or even if they're maybe not really there at all they simply chose to disappear so that was a really, yeah, provided a, a nice bit of inspiration. And the third bit of inspiration, I think, is um, from athletes. Um, I consider myself a failed athlete. Uh, I used to compete at snowboarding at Halfpipe a very long time ago. And um, I never got anywhere near as far as I, I wanted to go. But I, I love reading sports psychology and sports memoirs about very successful athletes. And you hear so many stories of mind games and the psychological tactics that athletes use. And I don't think we'd seen it very much in fiction. So it just seems it might be quite an interesting area to, to put into a psychological filler. Absolutely. And now you said that, if I hadn't read the book, I'd immediately be wanting to read it because it, it, they sound so intriguing and you absolutely combine those elements so brilliantly in the book it's not a horror book it's definitely not a horror book but you manage you do manage to build the pressure so well it's sort of horrible in a way you know just the feeling of what's going to happen how did you manage that oh I, I guess like I, I'm a massive reader so I guess I just I was very much inspired by the things I love to read I just love reading psychological thrillers mm. and I as a reader I'm always kind of drawn to the ones that are creepy but you know not overly violent not outright horrible um so I guess I try to write something similar you know that's yeah. just my taste um so I hope that Shiva is creepy but not too violent yes yes you, you it doesn't keep you from sleeping at night I think <laughs> gripped and fully involved in it but uh, yes at least you can you can still sleep which is always the barometer for me <laughs> so when you'd had these sort of different pieces of, of of background did you get the the story did it come to you as one complete story almost like a movie then and there or did it come to you in sections I'd say sort of in sections like you get one idea and then it expands from there to the next one and the next one and you you sort of you're constantly getting all these different ideas and maybe discarding 99 of them but one of them seems to work. I spent about a month planning Shiver. It was I'd previously written about five other novels that I'd never actually managed to finish or even submit. So Shiva was the first time I actually planned the book before I started writing it. And I planned out the scenes roughly yeah. and I plotted them onto post-it notes and put them on a giant whiteboard. There were two colors for the two different timelines because we've got the present day um, when the characters are stranded on the mountaintop and then 10 years earlier when they were young athletes training as snowboarders in that tiny resort. So I shuffled all these little scenes around and tried to alternate um, between the scenes to get the best order for the readers. And yeah, after that, it came very smoothly. Um, I think I was quite lucky. I, I just don't know how the storyline 
came that smoothly because as I do it second time round with for my next novel, it's not coming smoothly at all. It's just so hard. Yeah. Well, I love the use of post-it note. That's that's great and and to be a, a, applauded. It's interesting though because you've written or started writing so many books before. First of all, I applaud your dedication to writing. <laughs> did you know, because this, as you say, this is the first time you really plotted a book. D- did you know that you were on something special? Uh, I, I don't think so, no. I think really writing for me anyway is a, an exercise in you just hope, you know. <laughs> you, you write it and you really don't know how it's going to end up. Um, even when you're nearly all the way through, um, you're sort of writing it. And when I was writing Shiver all the way through, I, I never, you know, expected anyone except me to be um, reading it. Obviously, you dream, but you just don't know. You have to just hope and see what happens. Yeah, I'm interested, without asking you to give anything away, is there a part of the story that you love the most? Is there there a bit that is the... A a few bits. I would say one uh, aspect that I really loved writing were the snowboarding scenes when the characters are young athletes um, trying to learn new tricks and competing. It was 20 years ago when I was snowboarding and... It, it, it was I was in my early 20s but it's it was an unforgettable time so those memories mm. were still really vivid now I live in Queensland Australia I haven't actually seen real snow for more than 10 years <sighs> so it was so much fun to go back there in my imagination mm. and almost relive you know some of the scenes um, with some you know added plot twists thrown in Uh, I also had to go back onto YouTube and have a look to just try to you know familiarize myself with the setting again Mm. and watch some young athletes uh, on YouTube another part that I really loved writing was the romance subplot Uh, because as well as thrillers I really love reading romance and rom-coms yeah and I wanted to incorporate a a, a small romance subplot into the book so yeah it was a lot of fun to write that fantastic (laughs) and you've got these main characters but also it seems like the location is also a character in in a way and your knowledge of the area yes you as you say you went onto YouTube but your knowledge of the area must you must have very vivid memories Yes, I did. I I had to do hardly no research at all for this book, I would say, uh, because the memories were that vivid. And I was, I spent five winters living and training in the mountains. So it's quite, Mm. it's probably three years of my life, maybe in total. Um, So yeah, it was just a setting that I would wake up in and just spend hours and hours in. And even when I was there, it just struck me as an incredible environment, unlike anywhere else. Just this icy white world that's about going up and going down and taking risks. And in some cases, you can put one foot in the wrong direction and, and fall off the mountain or you know, you can get the weather change very fast and a big storm can come in or an avalanche could come down. So it's an incredible environment. 
You take some bravery to, to do that. Gosh, when you finished your first draft, did you then find you had to add in a lot more or take away more? So I, I think a lot of people I've heard seem to write very long first drafts. For me, it was the opposite. It was almost a little bit too short. Um, I'm a big fan of Lee Child uh, and his style of writing. I think he writes very clean and lean, you know, short, sharp stuff, very little padding and little description. So I guess I was trying to write in a little bit similar way to that. And in some cases, yeah, it doesn't did needed a bit more padding out. Yeah. Um, I sent it to some beta reader friends once I'd finished um, for some critiques and they really helped me fill in where I needed to add things. I think it was 75,000 words when I submitted it to my agent. And then she had me take away some bits and add some scenes. I had to write 12 more scenes at that stage. Oh. So it went up to about 85,000 words, added quite a lot. And then before, I think when the publishers, uh, the editors at my publishing houses um, suggested revisions, it went up again and it ended up being about 95,000 words in the finished one. Wow. And the book is sold in different areas of, of the world. Is it, is it different in any way? Obviously the cover is different, but... Um, is the book the set exactly the same throughout? It's, it's an interesting question. So it's got all these different covers, which I absolutely love. Some countries have got a completely different cover. Some of them have, you know, adopted, uh, for example, the French, the French one really likes the Australian cover. So they <sighs> adopted that from the publisher. Um, I think all of the translations are slightly different because you've mm. got you know, a translator would translate it into their language. Interestingly, I had the lovely French translator send me a few emails and she said one of the French characters uh, who was called Odette, she said it, it, that name, a, a French name, really didn't suit her personality in the book. Oh. So would I consider changing it? So I, I, I went along with her. She said, you know, Adette seems like a very modern woman. Adette is quite an old fashioned name here in France. So oh. she gave me some different possible names. And yeah, she's got, I think she's called Christine or something like that in the French edition. So yeah, that That's was quite- That's good though, to have that sort of- interaction yeah, with the translator was she was yeah really, really so fascinating I never would have realized that as a non-native mm. French speaker you know what somebody's name is sort of conjured up for a French person yeah. also the American edition um there is some grammar differences so my lovely American editor um right at the final stages of the editing we went into two different versions and yeah, there's some American language or some bits that American readers might not have understood or just made it a little bit more clear in that edition. Gosh, that's so interesting because we've got listeners to the podcast around the world, so they could all be reading a slightly different version. That's amazing yes. how it, how it yeah, goes. How, how do you manage to keep the tension so high and yet still so sort of believable? Oh, thank you. Um, I love short chapters in books. Um, I've noticed that chapters seem to be getting shorter and shorter. And some of my favorite thrillers seem to have, you know, 65 plus chapters in the book. Yeah. So I tried to do the same thing uh, by getting into each scene as late as possible and then ending it 
quickly and often ending on a cliffhanger. So I think that helped a lot to try to create the tension so that even though we switch to a different timeline and then we I hope the reader is keen to know what happens when we jump back into that scene. Yes, very much so. So let's talk about you for a bit. This is your debut. How did you get the book published? What, what happened? Yeah, I just went through the slush pile, actually. Oh. Um, so I had heard how hard it is to find an agent. I've heard it said it's almost harder to find an agent than it is to find a publisher, you know, for your book. So um, I uh, searched for agents in the UK. Uh, even though I live in Australia, there's very few agents that were taking on a new clients at the time here in Australia. So I went straight to the UK and found some agents um, that, that were the agents of some of my favourite authors. I got some straight rejections from my first batch of agents. And then I went back to my manuscript and revised it and really tried to make it as lean and clean as possible, just cutting every single word that you didn't actually need. And then luckily in my next batch of agents, I had some requests for the full manuscript. And yeah, Kate Burke at Blake Friedman offered to represent me. Fantastic. What would you say was the best day for you if you had to point one out? Was it the day you got the agent, the day you got the publisher, the day of publication? They were, there were so many amazing days. It was, it was just a, a, a total dream. You know, I'd been trying to write novels for about 20 years uh, from oh. that stage. And I, you know, you just hope, but you, you never really assure that it will ever happen. You just think it, it might never happen. So I think when I got my first request for the full manuscript, I burst into tears and yeah, I, I could hardly sleep that night because I knew the agent was reading my book. Mm -hmm. And so that was a pretty exciting time. And then when several agents um, very promptly all wanted to read the full thing and then Kate requested a phone call the next day. Um, another really exciting day was when um, I had my first offer from a publisher but my agent suggested that I should turn it down because there was already interest from other publishers and she thought she wanted to take it to auction. So that was just an incredible moment. And then in the first round of the auction, they had 10 publishers bid for my novel and that was an absolutely unbelievable moment. And I think there was one more unbelievable moment when um, I've always, you always dream maybe somebody might make a movie or a TV show of your novel. And um, the Julian Friedman at my agency um, got in touch with me about that. He'd submitted the, the manuscript out to you know, TV companies and film companies. And he said, it's not if you sell the TV option, it's when, because he'd already had a lot of interest in that. So. It was a total dream, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's amazing. Wow, yeah. what, what memories. So those are the best moments. What would you say has been the hardest part of writing this book? See, this book came so easily, I was really spoiled. I think as I hit book two and I had got, you know, my deadline um, 
for this second book in my contract that's probably been the hardest stage that whole year afterwards mm -hmm. I missed two deadlines for my second book partly because of the COVID lockdown um, here I'm a single mom so I've got my two little boys at home and like many parents would have found it, it's pretty much impossible to work mm. when you've got very small children at home I'm very fortunate here in Australia it was so much shorter lockdown than many places mm. but it still set me back maybe three or four months um, and, and I missed that deadline also I had a bad head injury I'm a really keen surfer so I got hit by my on my on the head by my surfboard and um, I had delayed concussion and some vision problems and it's a year on now but I'm still finding um, distraction and concentration problems and mm. as a writer that is something you, you have to be able to do more than anything is you know concentrate really hard so that must be so difficult because problem. covid and the pandemic seems to have given us all concentration problems at the yes. best of times yes. so combining that with head injuries it's, it's hard to know which is which yeah. but I, I think both have played a part yeah <laughs> what were you unprepared for what surprised you most about the process of publishing a book <sighs> well one thing that i'm finding frustrating at the moment is um, I've never read so little, you know, <laughs> I'm a massive reader. I'd normally read maybe 80 to 100 books a year. And sadly, this year, I've got all these amazing books that I want to read, uh, especially since joining Instagram. My, <laughs> my books I want to read list is just exploded. <laughs> and I have to try to just write because it's quite hard to read something I find when you're really writing. And I also haven't had the time. So as soon as I get my second book finished, I'm really looking forward to catching up on a whole lot of reading. Oh, great. Well, before we go, let's just ask about this second book. Can you tell us anything about it? Yeah, sure. So my next thriller is a standalone thriller. It's set on a remote beach here in Australia where I live. I hope it has a bit similar feel to Shiver in that we've got a smallish cast of youngish characters and it's creepy rather than overly violent. I hope we've got some very strong female characters in the story again, and there's a mystery at the heart and there's a romance subplot as well. <laughs> wow, count me in, sounds great. Well, Ali, oh. thank you so much. It's been great to talk to you about your book, Shiver, and I uh, can't wait to see more of your books in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Well, that was very interesting, wasn't it? Just, I just love talking to authors and finding out all about them and how they got their books. And uh, Just, yeah, great. Anyway, from one good book to another good book. Now, Blood and Sugar is written by Laura Shepherd Robinson. Um, I first came across Laura at uh, Crime Fest, which is, by its name, funnily enough, a crime festival in Bristol. And that's got to be two years ago now. I, I can't even remember. Um, but a while ago, pre-COVID, pre all of that. And there was a session where they were introducing new authors and they were talking about their books. And Laura was one. I just thought that sounds really interesting. And I got the book. And, do you know, to my shame, I've never read it. And then I was at another reading party event where it was Laura was there and talking about her new book, Daughters of Night. And um, I just thought, this is brilliant. I want to read the, the first one. And what's 
awesome is that hopefully we've got Laura on next week uh, talking to us about uh, Daughters of Night, the, the book that follows. So that's very exciting. So let's focus on Blood and Sugar this week. It's it's an incredible story. Um, if you're fans of C.J. Sansom, that's that sort of writing, you will love it. Um, it's set in a time of slavery and therefore some of the reading is very uncomfortable. But Laura deals with it in an intelligent, um, educational way, <clears throat> excuse me, so that it, it really um, moved me and I learnt even more about the horrific times that went on. But at its heart, it's a crime book. And that's and that's what I love. And as uh, loyal listeners will know, I do sometimes struggle with some historical books. So they really have to stand out for me to like them and enjoy them. And this is one that I really enjoyed. I also listened to a little bit on audiobook and the narration is just heavenly. Really good. So here's the blurb. June 1781, an unidentified body hangs upon a hook at Deptford Dock, horribly tortured and branded with a slaver's mask. Some days later, Captain Harry Corsham, a war hero embarking upon a promising parliamentary career, is visited by the sister of an old friend. Her brother, passionate abolitionist, sorry about that, Tad Archer, had been about to expose a secret that he believed could cause irreparable damage to the British slaving industry. He'd said people were trying to kill him and now he is missing. To uncover what happened to Tad, Harry is forced to pick up the threads of his investigation, delving into the heart of the conspiracy Tad had unearthed. But by doing so, he risks threatening his political prospects and his family's happiness and exposing secrets from his past that have the power to destroy him. And that is only if he can survive the mortal dangers awaiting him in Deptford. Uh, 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 wow. It's a, it's a great book. Um it's a great crime book and I'm just going to read you. Ah, oh, yes, this is great. Chapter one, first sentence. Listen to this. The worst surprises are those we think we see coming. Oh, my goodness. I love that. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. That's great. That's the sort of thing I could get tattooed on my arm. I'm not going to. I will never have another tattoo again. Thank you very much. But I, I just think that's an extraordinary first sentence. Um, it's a great book. It's one I know quite a few friends and family will really enjoy. So I can't wait to talk to them about this. Um, it, it it keeps you. It, it's a page turner, but it's a sort of historical page turner. So do try it and see what you think. Um, as I say, there's some uncomfortable reading about about the slave issues, but it's right that we read them and we know about them. Um, and certainly because I have a lot of family in, in Jamaica, it, it made me feel uncomfortable. But it's a great book. So really, really good. Pa- made me want to turn the pages um, and the great sort of reveal at the end. Really good. Yeah, excellent. Can't wait to talk to Laura next week. And uh, now I've got the pleasure of going away and reading Daughters of Night as well, which is 500 pages. So that's going to take me a little while, but that's fine. That's absolutely fine. It'll be worth it. Now, the next book. Oh, I wish. Mm. So this is uh, by E.F. Benson and it's the Map and Lucia novels. I believe it's the first two, Queen Lucia and Miss Map. Now, um, BBC did three episodes of Map and Lucia some years ago. I think you can get them on Amazon Prime still. And for me, that was my first introduction to Map and Lucia. And they are brilliantly done. They don't keep to the story, of course, or they mix things up. And some things are right, some things are wrong. But they're just, it's just brilliant. Um, And so I thought, I really want to read these books and get into the series. The trouble was that, you know, they're written in a time when certain words are were acceptable. And the one word in particular, it was just used once, but it's um, a racial slur. And once I read that, I just thought, I'd, I can't read this book. I want to. I love it. And I'd be very interested to talk to a publisher about this because I understand when the book was written, it was a word that was used. Um and and it was used frequently in commonplace and yet now it is not a word that i i ever want to read unless it's there's a particular reason for it and i know that the character that used the word was being portrayed in a negative way so it sort of added weight to that um and maybe i'm being too oversensitive but it just it stopped me enjoying the fun of the book and as i said i'd be very interested to know if publishers now are actually editing that word out when they republish books like this. Um, So I think if you're interested in discovering these characters, it would be you'd get more fun out of watching. Who would say? Who would have thought I would say you'd get more fun out of watching it on TV than reading the book? Um, But that's how I'm left feeling and I won't get more of the books which is a terrible thing do let me know what you think here's the blurb anyway 
Um, E.F. Benson's beloved Map and Lucia novels are sparkling classic comedies of manners set against the petty snobberies and competitive manoeuvrings of English village society in the 1920s and 30s. Benson's series revolves around two unforgettable characters, both forceful and irrepressible women who dominate their respective villages in southern England and who will eventually end up hilariously at war with each other. Uh, Lucia is the more deadly of the two with her pretentious tastes, treacherous charm and lust for power. Miss Elizabeth Mapp, on the other hand, is younger and more forceful and able to terrify her opponents into submission. Benson introduces these splendid comic creations in the first two novels of the series, Queen Lucia and Miss Mapp. So this book actually has both both books in. And I'm just going to read the first uh, sentence. It's a long sentence. It just shows how books have changed. OK. Though the sun was hot on this July morning, Mrs Lucas preferred to cover the half mile that lay between the station and her house on her own brisk feet and sent on her maid and her luggage in the fly that her husband had ordered to meet her. Um, I do I do love the characters. Maybe I'm overreacting to that one word, but it, it just it's like pulling up a handbrake when you're reading something and it just soured it for me um i wish that that word had been taken out and then i could have enjoyed it more but uh, yeah let me know what you think because oh maybe i'm maybe i'm overreacting maybe i'm doing the right thing it just for me it 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 it, it didn't feel very comfortable anyway from that to a good book called the good neighbors by nina allen um, now, let me get the blurb on this. Sorry for the noise. Oh, gosh, that is so noisy, isn't it? I do apologise. I just hit the microphone. OK, um, here is the blurb. Kath is a photographer hoping to go freelance, working in a record shop and whiling away her time with a shop's manager, Steve. Steve tells her that photography is detective work, drawing attention to things that would otherwise pass unseen. Kath begins to think that he is right. Cass' new project is photographing murder houses. It takes her home to the Isle of Butte. The island is embedded in her identity from the drafty house... Drafty? Drafty. Philippa? From the drafty house. Do you think... I should edit this out so I sound like I actually know what I'm doing. But you know what? You get me as you find me. Clearly, I can't read today. From the drafty house overlooking the bay and the feeling of being on the windblown edge of the world to the memory of her childhood friend, Shirley, and the devastating murder of Shirley's family by her father, John Craigie. Arriving at the Craigie house, Kath finds that it's now occupied by Alice Rahman, a financial analyst who has fled the stress of the London rat race to settle on the island. The strangeness of the situation forges a friendship between them and together Kath and Alice begin to reinvestigate the Craigie murder. Now within the walls of the Craigie house, Kath uncovers the sinister truth of John Craigie's odd nature, including his secret obsession with the world of disturbed Victorian painter Richard Dard and the local myths about fairy folk. Um, it's said to be an inquiry into the unknowability of the past, the fallibility of recollection and the abiding power of myths in shaping human narratives. Um, and I think actually that sort of sums it up. I think um, there's a different levels to it. You could just say, well, it sounds like a crime novel and, and that's what it is. But there's, there is much more to it than that. And I think it's got, it's quite a, it's a book with quite a few depths to it. Um, 
I think there's a lot more to it than, as I say, than you would first assume. Um, and there's different elements. Is it a crime? Is it a fant fantasy? Is it about you know family stories and i suppose it, it's just a movement between all of those different themes and about secrets yeah i thought i thought it's um someone described it as a chewy book and uh, i think that's right not not chewy as in the star wars hairy person but chewy as in yes yeah, you need to chew, chew over it oh dear again i'm doing this before breakfast before caffeine it, it it doesn't always end well does it let's do the first sentence of this book Ah, oh, well, that's yes. OK, here we go. Are you sure you're still up for going? Cass said. Your dad will go mental. I think that's a great first sentence. Very clean, crisp, modern. Um, and I thought it was a very intriguing book. So, yeah, that was uh, that was The Good Neighbours by Nina Allen. Very good cover as well, I have to say. Um, now we come on to the last book today. And funnily enough, it's got the word last in the title. Clever me for doing that. No, not, not clever at all. You know me well. Anyway, this is called One Last Time by Helga Flatland. Wow, this is this is a book with a with a punch. Have a box of tissues uh, at hand for this one. Uh, here's the blurb. Anne's life is rushing to an unexpected and untimely end. But her diagnosis of terminal cancer isn't just a shock for her. And for her daughter, Sigrid, and granddaughter, Mia, it shines a spotlight onto their fractured and uncomfortable relationships. A spur-of-the-moment trip to France acts as a catalyst for three generations of women to reveal harboured secrets, long-held frustrations and suppressed desires, and to learn humbling and heartwarming lessons about how life should be lived when death is so close. Wow. Um, this is a book and a half. And, OK, well, let's let's read the... The first sentence. Are you ready for this? I bring the blade of the axe down on her neck. Uh, you weren't expecting that as a first sentence for this book, were you? Um, I thought it's a very powerful book. I think I thought you probably think listening to it. Oh, gosh, it's going to be all, you know, doom and gloom and upsetting. And although I said it packs a punch in a way, it does that because it's not it's it's not. Yes, it's upsetting, but it's more. It's just so interesting um, how you take this situation that's happening and just turn it round with, you know, these family relationships, what's fractured, what isn't. Um, and I suppose this, how symbolic it is with this, the, the cancer and and her life and the situation um, and how it impacts each member of the family. I just thought it was very, very moving. One of the one of those books where you you know you finish it and you just stop and pause for breath because it it does impact you. A beautiful book, yeah. So there we go. One last time by Helga Flatland. I've talked to you long enough. You need to get on your way. I need to go and eat breakfast and get on with some work. I hope you're well. Um, I have got some great books. Well, I've already told you. I've already given the game away, haven't I? I shouldn't have done that. Never normally do. But anyway, you know we've got Laura Shepherd Robinson on next week and her other book, uh, Daughters of Night, Daughter of Night, um, and other books as well. Brilliant books. So really some really good books. So I can't wait to talk to you again next week. So look after yourselves and I'll see you again very soon. Take care now. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.